All right, we're going to be in the book of 1 Samuel this evening. Pastor had asked me about six weeks ago to preach on this evening, and I had a message in mind that I wanted to preach. It was going to be wasted potential from the life of Samson. And for three or four weeks, uh, I had been preparing the message, and I was ready to go. And what happened, Brother Ross caught that red eye. He wasn't able to prepare a sermon. He asked me, hey, Danny, what do you got? So I sent him my notes. No, about a week ago or so, I was reading in my Bible, and God had put something on my heart, and I was kind of fighting it. I didn't want to preach it. I really wanted that message. I'm glad that I switched it over, because that would have been really bad. You know, I love our church, and I'm humbled at the opportunity to preach this evening. I stand in front of many people who've invested in my life over the years, Sunday school teachers, school teachers, um, just maybe lay people in our church who uh, give words of encouragement or, or, or help me along the way, maybe just by looking at their example. And I'm honored to be here. And the sermon this evening is going to encourage us to continue doing for the next generation what you all did for me growing up. I, I was over at Brother Romero and Miss Susan's house, and he said, man, I'm pinching myself every morning when I wake up because of the life that God's given me. And every morning when I wake up, I get to wake up to a dream situation. I, I got my wife, got my daughter, um, you know, my dream lady, and, and a little baby daughter that I'm able to raise for the Lord, and I get to serve God here at our church. And each and every morning, I get to wake up and pinch myself, man, th- this is real. I'm living the dream, but it's because people in our church invested in me. And we're, we're going to look here at uh, 1 Samuel Chapter 16, verse 18. And the title of the message this evening is Raising a Generation of Young People Ready to Serve the King. 1 Samuel 16, verse 18. Then answered one of the servants and said, Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning and playing, and a mighty valiant man, a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a comely person, and the Lord is with him. And we'll pray and we'll hop right into it. Let's pray. Lord, do thank you for your goodness in our life. I thank you for our church and the opportunity that I had to grow up here. I thank you for all the people who've invested in me over the years. I pray as we dive into your word and see a young man um, who his parents and no doubt other people in his life uh, invested in him and got him to the point to where he was ready to serve his king. I pray that would be the desire of our hearts tonight as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in the, in the passage, if you look, uh, if you look in earlier uh, earlier chapters in, in, this, uh, in this book here, we see that Saul was anointed king, um, he had some issues, he kind of forfeited his right to being king, and he was in a state of depression. And while he was there, and I don't know if it doesn't say if he had a, a, a castle, if he, if he had a nice house, it, the Bible doesn't give too much uh, context as far as that, but he was sitting there in his home, he was depressed and he was down, and he said, man, I need somebody to, to kind of cheer up my spirit a little bit. He said, is there anybody who plays an instrument? And some of his servants who were standing before him said, we got just the guy. And they said, so there's a son of Jesse, his name's David, and he's, a, he's, he's really good at playing his harp, but not only is he good at playing his harp, I mean, this guy, he's got a, he's got a lot of different qualities uh, that, that will be good to serve the king. And when the opportunity came around, David was first in line. Why? Because he had qualities uh, that were favorable in the service of the king. It should be our desire here to raise up a a generation of young people at our church and in our homes who are fit to serve our king. Uh, There's a guy who used to come to our church many years ago. He's a loan officer. And when he was younger, he had the opportunity to serve under Reagan. And even as a college student and as a young adult, um, he would help Reagan uh, host these different fundraisers. Another thing he got to do is uh, different dignitaries and different people would come into the country, and he would kind of chauffeur them around and get get them to and from places. 
and he's like, man, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. It was four years of his life that, man, he, he was living the dream in a sense in, in, in his mind. And he, he mentioned to me as well, he had some friends, uh, and, and they had a son who was going to college. And when Trump was president, he said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going on the campaign trail. Would you come and would you join up with me and, 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 and get our food and kind of book some different things for us? He said the son dropped out of college, put everything he had on hold, because he wanted the opportunity to serve the president. And for him, it was a big deal. And I, I would like to challenge us this evening that there's nothing more prestigious in, li- in this life or the next than serving our God and our king. There's not a dollar amount, a material asset, a position, or a relationship that's more important or worthwhile than serving our king. Uh, Nothing in life is more noble, um, and this this needs to be clearly communicated to the next generation. It can be a Sunday school teacher who's just a faithful layperson in the church who shows up every Sunday, loves on his class, and teaches, teaches his lesson. It can be our pastor who comes up here and preaches and proclaims the truth of God's word without apology. Maybe a faithful bus worker, or a church who loves coffee. It could even be just the coffee person who sets up the coffee so we could all be awake in Sunday school class. But there's nothing in life more important or more prestigious than serving our king. I shared at our youth conference uh, uh, last year, I gave a little testimony. Uh, I had a, a, someone I had done some side work for that said, hey, Dan, um, you know, so-and-so in our business, they're, they're going to be, um, they're gonna be uh, uh, moving along. They got a better position somewhere else, and we got a position open. It's, it's something I really enjoy doing. Um, and he said, man, you know, with, with you know, all the different things you'd be doing, you could make you know, maybe around $100,000 a year. I was like, oh, man, that's a, that's a nice little salary. Have some, have some cash in the bank. But because that's not God's calling where God has me serving, I'm not able to stoop to do that because that's not what God wants for me. Uh, Another time this year, uh, someone I'd also done some side work for, similar situation. Hey, you know, I got this position open, something I would enjoy doing. But because that's not God's calling, that's not where God has me serving, um, I I, I wouldn't stoop to do that. Um, Because these offers were were where God had called me to serve, filling a bank account, and missing the opportunity to honor and serve my king would be a waste of my life. I've heard the quote, and I really like it. If a request from an earthly king is considered an honor, how could a request from a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Proverbs 22, uh, 6 reminds us um, that our training, or the lack thereof, and it could be in, in a home setting or, or as a church, uh, directly affects the type of, of children that are, uh, the, the people our children will become. Having our next generation trained and equipped to serve God must be done intentionally. In this passage, I find six qualities that David had that pushed him to the front of the line when the king was searching for somebody to serve him. And may we as a church instill these qualities in our young people so when God comes knocking at the door, maybe looking around our church or looking around our homes, our young people are equipped uh, to fill whatever, uh, whatever position God has for them to serve. The first thing I see about David in this passage is that he was skilled. Uh, the verse here said he was, he, was, he was cunning and playing the harp. He had a skill set. Um, he was able to play an instrument, um, but we see he was also, we, we see later on in his life, he was skilled with the sling, right? He was able to, to sling stones. He, he was a, a shepherd. Um, he was skilled in navigation when his dad sent him to go find his brothers on the battlefield. Man, he knew where to go. He didn't have to have someone babysitting him. He was ready to go. He had a skill set, and there's no virtue in raising children who don't have a skill set. Um, you know, if we give our kids tablets and toys and let them mindlessly exit life um, and, and exist in life, and we scratch our head when they're 30 and wonder why they're in our basements that don't have a job or a vision, this, is, this has got to be done intentionally. You know, the unsaved dream for their children. Uh, you know, I think of uh, people who are, who are sports people. Man, my kid's going to go to college, and he's going to go to the NBA. Uh, 
I mean, they put them in Pop Warner, they put them in AAU, they, they, they uh, pay for personal trainers. I was talking to Brother Miguel, and he's like, man, sports equipment's getting expensive. But man, they don't mind hooking their kids up with the best of shoes and the best of equipment. Why? Because they want their kids to be a sport, to whatever sport it is, they want them to succeed in that area. You know, some people, it's education. Uh, we had some, some Chinese students come for a little um, thing that, that the school put on, an opportunity for our, our church to maybe share the gospel and be a testimony to people from, from the other side of the world who may never hear the gospel. And uh, we had a couple girls stay on my mother-in-law's side of, side of our place, and we talked to them, and man, they're, they're sixth and seventh grade, and they already know where they're going to college. They already know, hey, I'm going to this college, I'm majoring with this degree, and man, they're, they're, they know their, their parents sold them the dream, and they're equipping them with the tools to fulfill that dream. Uh, you know, I want my kid to be a doctor, a lawyer, I want him to go to such and such an Ivy League school, you know, they, they, they put money in the bank to be able to fund it. Um, some people, for their kids, they just want their kids to make money. And, and, you know, they get them, maybe, uh, you know, try, try instilling them business smarts and teach them about investments and maybe invest in their, their first uh, business. Well, the world aborts their children, uh, maybe uh, um, those that aren't aborted mistake, that they have a right to choose their future for their child. More foolishly, some parents think that, that their, their children have a right to choose for themselves who and what they ought to be in life. But for those of us who name the name of Christ, uh, we know from Psalms 127.3 that our children are in heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Our children do not belong to us. You know, uh, President Biden says, you know, these are not your children. These are our children. The children don't belong to us as parents. They don't belong to our church or to our society. Our children belong to the Lord. And we, we need to train them with that in mind. And I would, I would challenge you, equip your, ki your kids with skills that they could use to, uh, to better serve God in the ministry one day. Uh, maybe just having your kids learn an instrument. Uh, it's been neat to have the kids over here, and uh, my brother Tim was messing with me because I forgot to announce a couple of kids who were playing on the piano after I did the offering. But it's nice to see kids maybe, I mean, some of them as, as, low, you know, as young as four and five years old, up there preparing for their future ministry. One day they could play for a Sunday school class or a future church plant. But it's nice to see parents who have a vision for their kids. Uh, Maybe, maybe teaching your sons to preach. I know we've been having some preaching nights, and, and Brother Paul gets out there with his boys, and he sits down and writes sermons with them, and he actually gets up there and preaches with them. Why? Because he, he wants his son to, sons to be equipped for their future ministry. Uh, maybe your, your kid's got a good voice, and, and, and send them to a voice tutor here at our church and kind of, kind of equip them for that. Maybe you know a trade, and you could help teach your sons a trade to where they could be valuable one day they're working for the church, uh, or, or, or wherever they are in life, they, they could better serve God because of that. Maybe for moms, just teaching your daughters how to cook and clean, take care of the kids, so one day you know, they, they marry a godly man, they, they could help the family in that way, and serve God as they serve their family. Um, we have to teach them also what we believe and why we believe it. Uh, they ought to have the skills to know, hey, this, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. This is why we believe it, not just because mom says it, not just because dad says it, but because the Bible says it. Um, it would be a shame if God came knocking at the door of our church, at the door of our homes, and wanted to call one of our young people to serve him, and the, and the product that we gave him, not because they weren't able or capable, but because we didn't teach and train them, and, and they were subpar for the Lord. Uh, we, we've got to have our kids ready for when God calls, uh, calls them to serve him. Uh, I like the illustration about the, uh, the missionary who went uh, to Africa, and he was, he was serving amongst the people who, would, that one of their traditions, if you had a twin, you'd have to sacrifice one of them to the crocodile gods. And, and one of his, his ministries was going down there and pleading with these people, man, don't, don't sacrifice your baby. And 
as primitive and as evil as that sounds, it's a shame that we live in a country that we do the same thing. Uh, maybe seemingly a little bit more sophisticated, but man, how, how many children are aborted each and every year here in our country? That's not the illustration. Um, but he goes down there and he's pleading, he's pleading, there, there, there's uh, twin babies there, and he's pleading with, hey, you know, do not sacrifice your baby to the crocodiles. You know, there's a living God and, and he wants, you know, he has a plan for your kid's life. Don't, don't do that. And, you know, say, no, this, this is our God, this is what we're going to do. And he had one sick baby and one healthy baby. And he said, okay, well, if you're, if you're going to do, at least, at least do the sickly baby. You know, that, 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 that uh, lively baby has a chance at life. And he, and he pointed his finger at him. He said, I don't know about your God, Mr. Missionary, but my God deserves the best. And I, I pray that that would be our mentality with our children. Not that, okay, well, you know, this one's smart, so maybe he'll do something with his life. Hey, this one's not too, too bright. Let's push him to serve God. I pray that the mentality that we'd have for our children is, man, I don't know about, about your God. Man, my God deserves the best. Um, one, one of my favorite youth conference messages that I've, that I've heard preached on in here was in the old building. Uh, Brother Gray preached on the best deserves the best. And he talked about the disciples as, they, you know, they bickered and they murmured. Man, why would this expensive ointment um, that Mary, you know, broke and, and poured on Jesus' feet, why would you waste something so expensive on somebody's feet? And he went on to say that the, the disciples misunderstood who Jesus was. He wasn't just another person, and, and that ointment was not a waste. He was the God of all creation, and he was worthy of that sacrifice because he was the best. And if you, if you value your children, man, you know, my kid's special, my kid's talented, he, he, he's got something going for him, then I would pray that we'd have the mentality that our God deserves the best. David had a skill set that was valuable to the king. You know, I, I pray that we wouldn't just see our children as a monthly expense, 18-year obligation, more mouths to feed or an inconvenience, but let's get a vision from God for our young people around here. And I'm, I meant to mention this in, in the uh, introduction, but I skipped over it. This is not just a message for, for our parents. Maybe someone like me and my wife, we're just starting off. We just had our first little baby girl. Lord willing, we'll have more to come. But this is for our entire church. I don't know how, how many men in, in this room, maybe some who have children, some who don't, had, a, had an impact on my life. I think of even someone like Paul in the Bible. Um, as, far as, I could, I, as far as I could tell in the Bible, we never see Paul had kids. He might have. I know some people say, you know, he had to have been married for this reason or another. But man, Paul trained up young men and discipled young men who, who did exploits for God. So this is not just, okay, you know, if, if I have kids, this is for me and I could tune out if I don't. This is for all of us. So the first thing we see here, uh, we see that he had a skill set, a skill set that, that was valuable to his king. The next thing we see in, in this ver verse here is that he was strong. Um, I like the verse in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13. It says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. This is talking about men. Say, so what about the ladies? Proverbs, the Proverbs 31 lady, she girdeth up her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. And, and David was a musician, and, and I'm not a musician. I kind of wish I paid a little bit better attention in music class growing up. I, I played hooky sometimes, so I never got, got any of the music down. Um, but one rap that musicians have is sometimes they can be a little soft, right? And, and I'm not saying that's the case with anyone in here. But as far as David goes, don't let his musical abilities fool you. Um, he was no soft-handed, limp-wristed musician. He could hold, hold his own, and as the Bible puts it, he was a strong man, a strong young man. The lion, who thought he could pick off one of his lambs from the, uh, from the young musician's flock, had a rude awakening when he grabbed him by the beard and took him out. Uh, Jesse didn't raise a soft, nice boy uh, who was mommy's little helper. He raised a strong young man who slew a lion, slew a bear, and eventually would take the head off of a giant. And I, and I pray when it, comes, when it comes to the next generation at our church, we want to raise up young people who are strong for the service of our king. 
<coughs> we can't pamper our kids and not teach them to struggle. Uh, many in the, the first generation of our church struggled to get us to where we are today. Man, the infrastructure, the facilities we have, they're amazing. It's, uh, that's another thing we got to pinch ourselves. Man, it's amazing. We're here. But what we don't want to do is spoil the next generation and just hand them everything. Just everything's given to us, no struggle, no fight, and we raise a generation that doesn't know how to, how to stand for themselves. It's vital that we create struggles in a protected environment, or when we release our children off to the service of the king, they're not going to be fit to serve. You know, it was Jesse sending him out saying, hey, you go take care of the sheep, even as a young man. Uh, we don't exactly know how old David was when he was out there, but we know uh, uh, some, some just based off uh, different ages given in Scripture, some people think maybe you know, he was 12 or 13 when he started men, uh, attending to the sheep. Uh, maybe he was only 17 when he faced Goliath. But he had all these different opportunities to become a strong young man. Um, when we were younger, my parents were pretty tight financially when, when, uh, when they came here to start the church uh, w- w- with Pastor Myers and Miss Alma, just because the finances were tight. And as the church grew a little bit, maybe the finances were, were, were a little bit more in abundance. I'm not super abundant, but my parents chose to, to, to give generously to our church, which meant that our, our, maybe the income that we had to spend as a family was a little bit smaller. But what that did for us is my parents taught us that, hey, you know, just money's not, they didn't just throw money at us, but they taught us to work and to earn things for ourselves. Um, my parents didn't pay for our, our school activities, school events, or sports. They would have us fundraise for it. And maybe sometimes they could pay for it, maybe sometimes they couldn't, but they wanted us to develop a work ethic. Um, it's a, you know, the, the old adage, you give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, and you'll feed him for a lifetime. Uh, we need to develop strong young people ready to serve God. Um, and I would say dads particularly uh, assume the responsibility uh, to produce strong children and particularly strong boys. Um, we can't, we can't, you know, I make the money, so I'm going to dump the responsibility of the kids off to, you know, off to mom. Um, you know, I do the work, my wife does the kids. No, if you, especially if you have young men in your home, you need to assume the responsibility that you need to train your, your young man to be a spiritual, strong young man. Uh, we, we, were at the, um, we were at the couples retreat, not this past year, but uh, last year, and Brother Kevin is with us, was with us. And he said, you know, there, there are some things that we won't be able to do in this lifetime. And he said, you might not be able to have the nicest house on the block, the most manicured lawn, be a part of the boating club, you know, go on hunting trips all the time, several nights a week at the sports, uh, you know, several nights a, a week we're involved in sports leagues, you know, working on that, that car in our spare time, and so on and so forth, and do all these things, and have time to raise our children the way God wants us to. And not to say that any of those things in and of themselves are wrong, but if we're filling all of our time, we don't, we don't have the time to raise our children or to invest in the next generation. Uh, we've got to reprioritize our lives. We, we won't raise a generation to do exploits for God if we are raising soft, pampered kids who aren't taught biblical strength. Um, we have to strive to have strong kids and give your children responsibility and opportunities to prove themselves. Again, as I mentioned, uh, David's dad trusted him with the sheep. And we can't always just dump blessings on our kids without giving them responsibility. I heard this quote and I really like it. It says, don't prepare the path for your kids. Prepare your kids for the path. Rather than getting upset at the coach on the sports team for not giving your kid that starting position or playing time, 
Maybe it's going to be spending time with your young person and teaching them that nothing in life comes easy and that the best things in life are worth our time, practice, and hard work to attain. Maybe rather than getting upset at your, your, you know, this Christian school teacher, you know, I don't know why he's getting on my kid. How about equipping our kids to deal with different personality types? Hey, you know that teacher's a little bit different, so this is a way where you could deal with him and not get in trouble in his class. Rather than providing a clean house for your kids, and, and I like a clean house, nothing better than coming home to, to a clean house, and, and, and I've, 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 known, I've noticed when you have kids, or I just have a kid at the time, it's a little bit harder to keep it clean than it was before. Uh, but rather than providing a clean house for your kids, maybe it's, it's teaching your kids how to clean the house. Um, and it could just be small chores. Maybe you have a four and five-year-old at the house, and hey, your job is to take out the trash. Uh, for this summer, KJ and Isaac, they're... Um, AJ has a front yard, and he doesn't, he doesn't cut my grass, but it's his job. No leaves in the front yard, no weeds in the front yard. For Isaac, he's in the backyard, and it's, uh, uh, it's no trash, no weeds in the beds. And it is a small job, but it's teaching him some responsibility. You know, my, my, I remember uh, going to my mom. I was, I was going from 6th to 7th grade in, in our church. When you hit 7th grade, you get to go teen soul inning. And I was like, hey, Mom, you know, it's, it, you know I'm going to be going teen soul inning. And, you know, we go get dinner, and this was, you know, now we go to Chick-fil-A and In-N-Out. This was back in the days of Burger King. Everybody on the teen bus was dollar menu, right? Uh, the Lord's blessed our church, and we, we have a little bit more now. Uh, but I said, hey, Mama, you know, I need, I need a, a few bucks for teen soloning. And she said, that's, that's nice. And I was like, no, no, like, like you know, I, I need some money to be able to buy, buy some dinner. And she said, well, that's good, Dan. I hope you get some. Uh, and she said, you know what, if, if you want some money, here's what we could do. You cut the grass every week, and I'll give you five bucks. And it, it wasn't a ton of money. I don't, I, don't, I don't know what the gardener down the street would have charged. But she wanted to teach me that, hey, things in life are not free. Uh, she wanted, uh, my parents wanted to create a strong young man. Um, pampering your kids only leads them to being soft and unfit for the service of the king. The next thing we see, uh, we see in David's life, and this is pretty intriguing, because at this time, from, from what we could tell in Scripture, he was still a teenager, but it said that he was, he, was a, he was a valiant man. He was a soldier. Uh, we know uh, a couple chapters later, uh, he goes and he takes out Goliath. But even as a teenager, he was fit to serve his king on the battlefield. Um, even as a young man, he was a man of war. Uh, even at the end of his life, he describes, man, you're, you're a man of war. Um, as a church, I'd hope in our, in our Christian school, in our college, we have the mentality that we are training warriors for Christ. And perhaps um, if we have, you know, backsliding young people in the service of our king, it's because we've painted a picture that the spiritual life is just a cupcake walk, right? Uh, you know, just serve God and you won't have a care in the world. It's, it, you know, the safest place to be is the center of God's will, right? And sometimes we paint this picture that the Christian life is going to be easy and then hardships come and we don't equip our young people for those hardships and, 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 and they, they, uh, they, they wilt over in the face of adversity. We aren't trying to produce... Video game streamers, YouTube influencers, social media personalities. We're trying to train young people who are fit for war, fit for the service of our king. My, my dad would always talk about the Muslims. You know, that you, you got the little 13-year-old right there with the AK in the street, right? Trying to be Jihad, Jihad Johnny. And they train people from a young age. Hey, no, this is, this is who we are. We're Muslims. We're going to take over the world. Um, and I would hope, you know, the unsaved people, they, they have their dreams and, and, and their visions for, our kid, for their kids. I would hope that for our, our, our young people here at our church, we would want to train young people who are warriors for our Lord. The next thing we see here um, is he was smart. And, and I, I threw that in there for the sake of alliteration. But the Bible uses the word prudent. It's interesting that, that a teenage boy, the Bible would characterize him as, as prudent. 
Prudence is, is being able to see, okay, the decisions that I'm making today, how are they going to affect my future? You know, if, if I make this decision today, is it, is it going to be favorable for me and my family in the future, or, or is it going to cost me? And I think, I think of even um, um, David's choice to use this thing, right? He was going out to fight Goliath. He's like, hey, who is this guy? Um, he, you know, he's right there with his older brother. He's like, really, you guys are going to let this guy talk about our God that way? And he's like, he's, I'll take him out. And King Saul, uh, you know, the, the head and shoulders above everybody, tallest man in the kingdom, he, he was fit. He, he should have been the one out there fighting. He said, well, you know, if you're going to go out there, you're going to take him out. You know, use my armor. And I'm, I'm sure David was there flo- floating, in, floating in the armor, right? Big old sword. And, and imagine had he gone out there and, and fought him with the sword. Man, that guy would have picked him to pieces. But he's like, man, this guy's big. I'm going to keep my distance. He was prudent. He was able to see, man, the decisions that I, that I make today are going to affect my future. Um, I've been reading through, in my, my personal Bible reading, through First uh, and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Um, and it's, a, it's amazing to see how many times in David's life where he made the right choice, and it saved his life and, and the life of his men. Hey, let's, instead of sleeping outside the cave, let's go into the cave. Hey, instead of staying outside the city, let's ride out tonight, because someone might come. He was, he was prudent. Uh, he was able to make wise decisions. Proverbs 14, 15 says, The simple believeth every word, but a prudent man looketh well to his goings. Uh, I would hope we, we, we'd um, raise up a generation of young people here who are not swayed by every new doctrine, every wind of doctrine, maybe the new fads that come through and fashions of this world, but we need young people with biblical wisdom and prudence. And, and prudence is not a virus that gets caught, you know, we got a mask up and it's stay away from it, you can catch it, you cannot catch it. It's something that has to be communicated intentionally. It's us sitting down with our young people, hey, you know, if you make this decision right here, it, it, it could cost you big time, big time in the future. Uh, I was sitting out here with uh, Isaac. He came, he came to uh, work with me, and uh, he was cleaning up the parking lot. There were a bunch of leaves out there. I said, all right, this is your section right here. So sweep up, sweep up this little section of leaves. And I asked him, so, so, so why, why do we serve around church? And he's like, you know, I don't, I don't really know. I'd say, you know, maybe one day God's going to call you to, to serve, serve him full time, maybe here at our church or another church. I said, when, when pastor's looking for someone to fulfill a position, is he going to pick somebody who's already serving, or is he going to pick somebody who's sitting on the couch? He said, yeah, he's probably going to pick somebody who's serving, right? I, I, I brought up Brother Seth. I was like, Seth's been serving here since he was a kid. Um, he's, I mean, just, just nonstop. Anytime you need help, man, he's right there, and we, we needed a position to fill, and who did pastor? Man, it was a no-brainer. Let, let's pick him, right? But we want to teach our kids to think, hey, the decisions that I'm making right now, you know, had, had Seth's parents not said, hey, you know, go over to the church and serve, maybe he would not be serving God full-time here, here in a few weeks. But, but we, have to, we have to teach our kids to think and to have biblical prudence. You know, do your children know the difference between maybe a good girl or a good guy or one you wouldn't want to touch with the 10-foot pole? Man, we've got to take God's word and we've got we to teach them, hey, this is, you know, Proverbs 31, this is what a good lady looks like. When you're going and, and you're of age, you know, you're ready so, to support a family, you're spiritually uh, uh, ready to do that. Man, this is the type of girl you want to look for. Hey, hey ladies, you know, a guy comes, and, and, and maybe he's tall, dark, and handsome, um, and, 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 you know, he, he's giving you, he's winking at you. Is he a good guy? And we've got to teach them from God's word what that looks like. Um, do they know, um, do they have the biblical wisdom to be able to, man, you know, they get their first job, maybe they go off to Bible college, and they got a job, and a co- co-worker says, hey, let's go get a drink. Have you, have you equipped them with, hey, 
No, the Bible says, you know, we're, we're not supposed to look on the wine when it's red. You know, who hath, who hath woes, who hath sorrows? You know, they that tarry long at wine, they that, that go and seek mixed wine. Hey, the Bible says we're not supposed to drink, and it's, it's nothing against you, but I, I made a commitment to God. Actually, Brother Bird taught me this one. I made a commitment to God a long time ago. I'm just not going to do that. And um, are we equipping our, our, our kids with the prudence to be able to face life? Can your children look at life choices and have a decent finger on what the outcome of their decisions are going to be? We need children who may not be able to, to tell us the latest and greatest about, you know, the whores and, and harlots in Hollywood. Maybe they're out of touch with the world's fashion and music and, and, and what's the latest and greatest, but they're able to make good life choices that are going to set themselves and their families up for success in the center of God's will. Next thing I see here uh, that the verse mentions about David is he was sociable. So that, that people like this guy. Um, and David was a young person that others could enjoy being around. Successful parenting leads your children to be people who, who are pleasant to be around. I, I often tell our young people, our biggest, like, I don't know if you want to call them practitioners, it could be soul winners, but our, our, our biggest people who could go out and reach our world for Christ are our young people. In, in a world where, where young people are glued to their phones, you know, punky attitudes, man, just going to hell in a handbasket. When you've got a young person who could, who could stand up and, and shake your hand like a man, look you in the eye, hey, how's it going? That's very attractive. I don't know how many people this year that our teenagers have brought to church just because, just because they're decent, uh, decent teenagers who are living right. Uh, and, and, and not David, uh, not his, his son Solomon in the book of Proverbs taught his son how to deal with different types of people. Hey, you know, these are the type of people who ought to be your friends. This is how you deal with the fool. This is how, you know, the, these are the type of wise people. These are who you should be around. Uh, and, and my wife, she's a social butterfly. Well, we, we were going to pastor's conference, and she's like, man, you know, there are going to be all these, uh, you know, different pastors and pastor's wives we're going to get to meet. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh, man, there's going to be a ton of pastors and pastor's lights. Like, man, what's, what's the closest exit to the bat? Uh, you know, she, she could go to a party. and I mean, she makes friends like that. I'm thinking, like, all right, man, what's something I could get, get doing so I don't have to talk to people? That's not my personality type. But I'm, I'm glad that I had parents who taught me, hey, you know, this is how you look someone. Make sure you look someone in the eye when you talk to them. Hey, this, you know, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Uh, this is how you shake a hand. Um, and, and just gave basic life skills uh, to where we can face life and, and, and better serve God. You know, it could be on a bus route, just going out, hey, how do you talk to people? You know, you knock on a door, this is, this is how you talk to them. Hey, you know, I'm from, from Pacific Baptist Church. And just teaching them those things uh, to where uh, they're able to interact with other people. And then lastly here, we see that he was spiritual. It says that God was with him. That's how the verse concludes. And he was not just a good kid, but he was a godly young man. And, and at our church, we don't just want, want good kids who, you know, you know they, don't, they don't drink or smoke or chew or hang with those that do. And they're, they're just decent, you know. They live a happy life. You know, they get a house, white picket fence, and they're, they're just decent people. That, that ought not be the vision for our, for our young people here at our church. Um, our vision for our young people is that, that they're men, men and women of God uh, who are able to go and, and start families and raise families who are going to serve God with their lives. And, and one way that we could have spiritual young people is having them be simple concerning evil and wise unto that which is good. Uh, you know, pastor always mentions that, that our teenagers don't need cell phones, right? Now, I would throw in there, you know, tablets are just, just the same, right? Because, you know, tablets are like a cell phone, but they just don't have any way to trace them. At least if you get your kid a cell phone, you can go on the history at your, at your cell place, right? But uh, I know for uh, my mother-in-law, her, her kids are not my kids, they're my brother-in-law's, but she's kind of lent some influence in their lives to me. And, and I said, you know, we're not going to have the kids be on devices 
unless an adult's present. And, and I, and, and I kind of just said it more in passing. And, you know, I walked in one day, and, and one of them was right there on the device. And comes to find out somebody had just slipped into the room really quick. And I said, you know, I, I don't want that for them. I said, it's not that I think they're, they're going to go looking for some terrible stuff on the Internet. Although the Bible does say, you know, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Children are naturally foolish. They don't tend towards that which is good. They tend towards that which is bad, which is another sermon. But I said, the last thing I want is for them to be playing a fun game on the tablet and for, you know, filthy ad to pop up on the bottom because we have the free version. Or maybe, you know, they're, they're watching something on YouTube all by themselves and the ad pops up. And then that soils their mind. I, mean, I want them to be pure and holy and clean so one day when they serve God, uh, they're, they're equipped to do that. Um, there was a Babylon Bee uh, uh, a clip that says, you know, the, the same parents who, you know, they, they'll go down to the school meetings and, you know, we don't want drag queens in our schools. We don't want this inappropriate material on there. Um, they said those are the same parents who give their kids adult bookstores through their devices, right? And I, I didn't say it. They did. And to make, and to make myself clear, I'm not, I know this is... Um, what do they call it? Uh, the, the week where the sodomites go, go downtown and parade their, their degeneracy while screaming they're coming for our children. So I, I know sodomy's filthy. And I, I'm old enough to remember when they were still kind of in the closet and AIDS was a judgment of God and all that. Now they're brazen and coming for our children. I'm not suggesting that sodomy's okay or anything like that. But I would suggest if we're loud and proud about, hey, you know, we don't, we don't want you know, drag queens in, in, our, in, our, in our public schools or really anywhere in society where children are present. I mean, it'd be good if we could get rid of it altogether. Or, you know, we'd be against, you know, uh, you know maybe uh, adult clubs and, and filthy places like that. But why would we give our, our kids devices before they're mature enough to, uh, uh, to be able to decide what, what's right and what's wrong and, and allow them to soil themselves to where, man, they're so full of filth. And maybe not even intentionally, maybe just, just, man, just putting it in, putting it in, swiping on social media to where when God comes knocking at their door, they're so full of other things, they can't answer the call of God for their lives. Uh, and, and, and I know Pastor says, and he says it, he says it very graciously. And, and, and it's, it's actually something my brother Joseph, uh, he had text myself and my brothers. And he said, he said, he said I always heard it, but I, I, I understand it now. He said, our kids are our blind spots. And, man, we love our kids. And, and we think the best of our kids. And so we're like, man, I, I know the kid down the street, he's a punk. And he, he can't have it, right? But, but, man, my kid's a good kid. He goes, he goes to bus ministry on Saturdays, and, and you know, he serves. He won someone to the Lord a week ago. And we're thinking, it could happen to anybody else, but these are my kids. These are, these are good kids. And it's easy for us to overlook, and everybody else's kids maybe can't handle it, but my kid can. And then, and then there's the heartbreak. Then there's, there's the sorrow that comes along. Man, we should have listened to the pastor. And not only, um, not only do we need to have our kids empty of, of the junk and the filth of the world, We've got to get them filled up with good things. If we're going to have spiritual kids, there's that verse in the Old Testament that talks about the man who was possessed with devils, right? And the, the devils were cast out, and, and the Bible says his house or his body was clean. It was swept and garnished. It was, it was a squeaky clean place. But because he didn't fill it with good things, it says the second state of that man was worse than the first. More devils came and, and took over his, his, uh, his house or his body. And it's not enough just to have kids that, okay, you know, we keep the filth of the world out. We keep their minds pure and clean and holy, you know, away from, from you know, the filth that goes in their eyes and in their ears. Man, we protect our kids around here. Um, but we want, we want to fill them up with good spiritual things. Um, how about Bible reading accountability for our kids? And we have Walk of God clubs. We have great teen workers around here who, you know, call your kids. Hey, you know, how are you doing with your Bible reading? Get them a Walk with God notebook to make sure they're journaling. But as parents, it's important that we check up on our kids. Hey, how are you doing with your, your walk with God? 
And I wouldn't say you've got to force your kids to say, hey, you know, no Bible, no breakfast. I, don't, I know some people, some people are like that. But just, hey, you know, hey, have you read your Bible? What, what are some things that God's doing in your life? Um, maybe some verse memorization, doing some verse memorization. I know uh, KJ and Isaac and Bentley's been hanging out with us this summer. Uh, these guys are, um, I think, going to fifth and third grade, if I'm not mistaken. And Bentley's going to seventh grade. They, uh, they're on, they did 50, no, 48 verses this week straight. No, no helps, no nothing. Just, they quoted them just because we pushed them to do it. And if their minds are empty of the junk of the world, and then you, on top of that, you put good, good things into them, it's going to set them up to where one day they're ready to serve their God. Um, my, my dad would always mention, uh, uh, my, every time summertime came around, my dad would always say, and the books. I was like, Man, what, what do you mean, and the books? It's, it's a verse in, in the Bible where Paul said, hey, you know, he was in jail. He said, hey, bring me the parchments, which maybe were scripture. He said, and the books, other good books. Um, and maybe it's a, it's a biography by, uh, by a great missionary, a great man of God. Uh, but man, get, get good books, good material in, into our young people's hands uh, to help feed that desire to serve God. Uh, you know, along with all, all of technology's bad, uh, there, there's, you know, there is some good in technology, right? We have access to sermons and things. Um, we, we could get them some good sermons. Um, my dad would always encourage us to get our young people around godly older people. And he would say, friends are not bad. People your age are not bad. They just don't have a whole lot to offer you. I was talking to my, uh, my junior high boys class today. And I said, you're going to play basketball and, and football and, and do sports and trips and stuff with young, with, you know, young people your age. I said, but anytime you have an opportunity to hang out with godly older people in the church, hop on that opportunity. I said, people your age, you, you guys are all figuring out life at the same time. I said, but, but older people, they've already been, you know, your parents, they've already been in fifth and sixth grade and seventh and eighth grade, and they've been young adults, and they've gotten married, and they've been a young couple, and they had kids. They've already, you know, made some good choices, made some bad choices, and they're able to help you navigate through life um, in a way that your friends can't help you with. So I say, hey, if you get, if you get an opportunity to hang out with godly older people, man, push your kid, kids to them. Uh, push our young people to them. And we'll, uh, we'll conclude here, six o'clock on the dot. Uh, What's the message for today? One, we must push our ne- the next generation towards God's purpose for their life. Uh, not a career, a life purpose. Whatever it is that God has for them, we've got to push our young people to that. And then, and then the message for today is let's equip our young people. Let's get that vision and think, what tools can I equip my young person with to where when God comes knocking at their door, they're ready, uh, they're ready and equipped to serve him. And we'll conclude there. We'll pray. Everyone heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe, uh, maybe you have some young ones at home. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're just a faithful person here in our church. But man, may, may God give us a vision for, our, for the next generation here. May, maybe for, uh, for some of us tonight, it's like, man, I got, I got these kids at home, and I, you know, I'm, just, I'm just figuring it out, how, how to be a parent. I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to do my best to set them up for success. But maybe it's, it's, it's praying that God will give you a vision for, for your young person to serve him, whatever that means specifically for your young person. I like, I like those verses in Jeremiah. That before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. And before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee or ordained thee a prophet to the nations. God had something specific for Jeremiah before he was ever born. The same is true for our young people in our church. And as the piano's playing, we could all stand together. And if God's spoken to your heart, you could come down and use the altar.